Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Trauma bonding was identified over 40 years ago, but it's easy to dismiss if you don't think you've ever had trauma. Are you experiencing trauma bonding but don't realize it? Do you have repeating unhealthy patterns, miscommunications, or consistent frustration or dissatisfaction with your partner? Well, today I'll teach you the seven stages of trauma bonding and how to know if this applies to you so you can create more peace and ease in all your relationships. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Well, hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. We, I've got a big episode for you. This is something you've been asking for for a while. I think I might have been avoiding it. I can't, I'm not sure because I haven't done it, even though people have asked for a while. I did a series of trauma-related episodes back in like episodes, I think 146. We'll, we'll link to those in the show notes. Or if you put trauma in my website, things will come up. Um, but there's always a lot of interest. My thing is that I don't like, I like to stay in my lane. I like to stay where I'm sure and know. And I have to tell you that trauma is an area I do not specialize in. Caveat right there. Uh, I've been dealing with it in my personal life and personal therapy for many years. And of course, as a professional, so I've had training and, you know, I've of course done all that and I have supervision and I, I've done all the things, but it's not a specialty. And there's people who only specialize in this. So I, I want to say that out loud. Um, I, as always do a lot of work before we start so that the information I'm giving you is correct and again from the research and things we know and then you know blended with what i know what i think i can offer today is something different than if you've read or heard about trauma bonding before and don't worry i'll explain what it is and we'll go through the stages and we'll i will let you know the one question you need to ask yourself to see if it applies to you or not uh for sure but I do want to say before we start that usually trauma bonding is described where there's a relationship where one person is clearly the abuser and the other person doesn't leave the abuser due to due to their unhealed trauma. So common examples, of course, are any kind of domestic abuse or violence, um, extreme or severe emotional abuse, that kind of thing. And um, but the person doesn't leave the relationship. If you're in that type of relationship, I need to say that today is not going to be enough for you. That is not my focus today. You're going to need to work with a therapist or program to find healing and, and solutions and resolutions. And 
because it, it's that important. For many people, it's, it's really hard to understand how someone in such a clearly unhealthy and dangerous relationship could feel you know, love or concern for the person abusing them. But this is trauma bonding in the extreme. This is it. It's, it's, it's there out of a basic human need to attach to others to survive. You learned it as a kid, you carried it with you, and you know, we're doing it again. And, and that's, that's a lot, right? That's a big thing. And there's, again, a lot of information on that. My focus today and where I think I can really help people and where I sort of help myself because I didn't realize that I was had trauma bonded in the past. So my focus today is going to be on other more common kinds of relationship interactions, which might not seem so obvious, but where trauma bonding is definitely an issue. Uh, in fact, um, you know, you might have seen this title and thought, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have any trauma or I'm having trouble in my relationship, but it's not abusive. There's not, there's not abuse going on. And so again, I discussed this way back in episode 146, which I guess would have been the third season of the podcast. We're in season five now. Um, you might not realize you're suffering from unhealed trauma. And I did a whole episode on that, episode 146, a whole episode just for that. You might not realize you're suffering from unhealed trauma. Uh, and because of that, so I'd like you to go back and listen to that, but I'll do some brief stuff right now. But because of that, you it's resulted in trauma bonding in your adult relationships without you knowing it. And again, that's where we're going to focus today. And again, I will link to everything in the show notes. And once again, you can uh, just do a search on my website. It's that easy for the word trauma. All of them will come up. So I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate a bit of what I said in the, what, in my earlier episodes on trauma. So trauma is caused by either one harmful or distressing event or experience or a series of experiences that, and what happens with trauma, it, it impacts your ability to cope and function in a healthy way or in the healthiest of ways. You might, you know, I was a functioning human in the world. I wasn't completely blowing up everything before I got the right kind of therapy, but <laughs> I was not the healthiest and I was repeating certain patterns over and over. And I want to repeat that also, you know, trauma can come from neglect just as easily as it comes from something overt, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. It can also, and this is, I think, the majority of the people listening can also come from unhealthy family cultures around communication and love. And that was certainly my case. I was not beaten by my parents. I was not abused in any way when, when you look at it. Um, I had many happy parts of my childhood. There's many good things. And there was, it absolutely screwed me up. <laughs> um, and you know, I started doing drugs so young. It doesn't take a, doesn't take Freud to figure out maybe there were some issues at home, right? But I would not define anything that happened to me as abuse, and I wouldn't define any of my relationships as abusive. However, there was trauma bonding, without a doubt. So I, I'm, I'm going to pull that in a little and, and talk about that in not such an extreme way. Uh, many of my clients don't identify something as traumatic because, you know, objectively you think, well, well, I grew up in a good home or an intact family, or there was money, there was food on the table. My, yeah, my parents were divorced, but you know, it was okay. I, I got through lots of people's parents are divorced. So there was no trauma. But when you drill down, there are many things that can be, that are traumatic and can be felt as traumatic and show up in unhealthy thinking and behavior as adults. That's what happens. So let me give you a bunch of examples. Maybe your parents never had time for you and you were either left unsupervised during critical years or you were shunted off to nannies or other caregivers or your grandparents raised you or something like that. That's can have, again, and trauma can be different for different people. Your older sister might have no issues with this, but you might. You do, please don't compare, um, you know, how you should feel compared against how someone else feels. It doesn't work that way. Um, maybe you had a parent who was addicted to alcohol, drugs, had an eating disorder, 
or some other mental health issue. They could have had severe depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, narcissism. Uh, maybe you had an older sibling who bullied you or you were bullied at school. Maybe you had an undiagnosed learning disability and you know didn't live up to your supposed potential and that was always kind of an issue in your house. Um, maybe you were told you were a drama queen growing up because you showed emotion and, and your family was very stoic. You know, they didn't really show emotion. They were a very sort of straight group, but you were the one who was out there. It can, you could have been called these things and told you were too emotional or a drama king or queen or whatever, when that wasn't the case. Maybe you knew you were gay at age 10, but didn't feel you could share that with your family until well into your adulthood. There are many ways, many, for us to be left feeling like there's something wrong with us or that we're not worthy of love, resulting in unresolved trauma that shows up in later relationships. Okay, so I want to be clear. All right, so let, let's get into what is trauma bonding, and then I'm going to talk about the seven stages. And this term, th th that term trauma bonding was first coined by Patrick Carnes. I think I always say his name wrong. I think it's Carnes, C-A-R-N-E-S. Uh, he's a PhD. It was back in the late 90s. I think it's 97. It'll be on my show notes page, the exact. <clears throat> and he had a presentation called Trauma Bonds, Why People Bond to Those Who Hurt Them. That is now just a very famous treatise. And he was an addiction specialist. So his initial work focused on how trauma and addictions tended to go hand in hand. Shocking. Yeah. But so trauma bonding, as we, as I talk about it now, is basically a dysfunctional attachment. I've talked about attachment disorders quite a bit. I have many a podcast on that, on attachment styles, I should say, and, you know, what they look like. And so an insecure attachment style is, you know, there can be this dysfunction that creates trauma bonding. Just because you have an insecure attachment style does not mean you're involved in trauma bonding, but it certainly lends itself. And trauma bonding gets hardwired. So it's really living in your nervous system. It creates a hijacking of your brain of sorts. Because of your particular childhood, your brain has made neural associations between love and unhealthy behavior. You, you, in your brain, love could mean when people yell at you, that means they love me or they wouldn't care enough to yell because maybe that got said to you when you were a kid. If I didn't care, I wouldn't tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> uh, so you start to think, oh, that's what it looks like. That's, so that's what I'm talking about. And then you end up with people who aren't the best, really the best fit for you, but you feel unable to let them go. You feel like, well, I'm, I'm, it's, this is love. This is what I deserve or what's supposed to happen, or this is normal. Um, there's many ways that can go, but uh, so I also want to say that trauma bonding does not mean that you're bonding with another person over a shared trauma. That is not what trauma bonding is. It's not bonding over a shared trauma. It's really speaking to a bond that a survivor of some kind of abuse, and again, like unresolved trauma from your childhood, feels towards another person. It's some bond that you or I feel towards someone else, or they feel towards us, that's because of, that's, that's disorganized, you know, it's, it's not healthy. And they are feeling bonded, or we are feeling bonded to this other person in this unhealthy way. And I'm going to give you, I have a great example. I did ask my client uh, about this recently. I said, oh, I'm doing something on trauma bonding. Can I, you know, obviously changed her name. I'm going to call her Michelle. That is not her name. Uh, but she grew up in a relatively stable home. But her dad was a highly functional alcoholic. He had, you know, some great corporate job and they had money and she went to good schools. They weren't super wealthy or anything, but, you know, she was in, she was middle to upper middle class. And she talks about how her, she and her dad would have these special fishing trips with just the two of them when she was young. And 
it, she talked about how he could just make her feel so special and so unique and he would tell her these things and it would be really beautiful. And when I first started meeting with her, that is the picture she painted of her dad, this like godlike, wonderful man. And it was only over quite a period of time that I started getting this other truth. And I say other truth because that was true, that part. But she also, then I started, and once the dam opened, I have to tell you, there were a ton of these stories. She had uh, one story where she remembers him screaming at her once when she got a B on a test, uh, just losing his shit, screaming, yelling at her, calling her an idiot, and and who do you you know think you are? Like treating her like she was entitled. You know, I pay for the roof over your head. You your job is to get A's. My job is to put this roof over your head, and it's disgusting. And you're disgusting. I mean, just horrible, horrible words. She remembers like another time when she and her siblings were you know kind of chatting at the dinner table. You know, as siblings do, they were young, and she she says, I don't even think we were arguing. I think we were just talking loudly. And my dad was real quiet and all, and we thought, you know, we're just talking. And all of a sudden he picked up his plate and threw it across the room and then grabbed his glass and smashed it against a wall, like just threw it against a wall. And that, yeah, I know. So when I met Michelle, she came to me while in her third long-term relationship where someone was struggling with either, either alcohol or an eating disorder. Okay, so she had had, she never got, she hadn't been married yet, but she she was she was originally in a relationship with someone who had an alcohol problem for like five years, and then she was in another relationship for four or five years with someone who had a terrible eating disorder, and when she came to me, she, her partner was a raging kind of drug addict alcoholic, and she would have the same story, and I've heard this a million times from clients. They weren't drinking when I met them, or they didn't act this way when I met them. Uh, it changed over time. Uh, you know, the problems weren't there in the beginning, even though they were, but they were ignoring it. You know, there's this way that they got really caught up, which I'll talk about when I talk about the stages of trauma bonding. But And she had a pattern in those first two relationships where she cheated for a while and eventually got caught and eventually got broken up with, okay? And that was her, what I explained to her, it was her unconscious way of getting out of the relationships. She knew that some part of her knew they were unhealthy and not good. She was miserable in them. Her own drinking was increasing and other issues were increasing. For her, she mostly just works too much and she would run all the time. She was constantly out of the house on a run. Um, it showed up in its own different crazy way mostly, but I explained to her, this was your unconscious way of getting out of those earlier relationships was to cheat and then they found out and then they would break up with you. So, and then you would do it all over again. You'd find the next person. It's not a coincidence if you keep being with people who have some sort of issue. Uh, that's, that's, that's you, not them. And all of this is trauma bonding in whatever way. That's what it is over and over again. Uh, so, you know, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example of trauma bonding in like the reverse. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to out myself. How do you like that? A lot of you know, I've mentioned this many times, you know, my mom was a narcissist and God bless her. She's dead now. And thank God we ended our lives, to, her, our, our physical lives together very well. But growing up as her youngest daughter meant that I'd sometimes receive a ton of love and special time with her. My siblings were a lot older, so sometimes we, you know, go to the movies and have a mom and daughter day, and we, you know, we do stuff. But then I would could make a very small mistake, and I would get the silent treatment and this kind of palpable rage below the surface. Just not, you know, she wouldn't hit me or anything, but you could tell how mad she was, and all you were doing was trying to avoid that. Uh, so one minute I'm getting told how special I was, and then it was like the rug got pulled out from under my little unsuspecting feet, because every time I didn't seem to get it, and there would be these passive-aggressive swipes about my looks, or I was never going to be anything in life, or these other things that would seem to go directly against the other things she would say to me. 
But this created this back and forth. It's sort of this terrible intermittent reinforcement, which I've also talked about in the podcast before. That is the that is the strongest kind of reinforcement is intermittent, something that happens occasionally. So occasionally I'll get this love. Occasionally I'll get this thing, and I would this being nice to me in a certain way and this feeling of special bonding, and I would keep going after it. I would just keep going after it. And so there was a hard wiring in my brain. And again, this happens to everyone who experiences some type of trauma. And that was traumatizing for me. What happened? The way that I was parented, you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to people who've been sexually abused or something else uh, in their childhood. There's no comparison. You don't need to compare your level of fucked upness to anybody else's. You as a person are allowed to say, this for me created unhealthy patterns. And it did. That created a lot of unhealthy patterns. So as an adult, what I would do is get into the same relationships over and over. They all lasted 18 months, uh, mostly men, couple women in there. I'd meet someone and we would fall madly in love. I mean madly in love very, very quickly. And I would be all into it and them. I jokingly later called it taken hostages because these people didn't have a chance. I was all about it. I was quite fabulous. So we'd, you know, move in together after like a week or a month and and that, they're my person. And we get very close and they would really be into me and all that. I had a few men ask me to marry them. Um, and literally I left the next day. I would get very scared, all of this unconscious. I didn't know I was doing any of this. And I would start pulling away. You know, I would stop being as available, even when we lived together. I would just, I'd work more, I'd go out with friends more. I I, I never cheated, I'll tell you that. I, I wasn't, I didn't, which doesn't really mean anything. You're not a terrible person if you do, but it just wasn't my thing, but I was a serial monogamist, what we call like a serial monogamist. And I think in some ways, if I cheated, it would have given them, I, I, like I had no excuse for why. You know, I, I didn't understand why, they didn't understand why. These, these poor people were just blindsided with my leaving. Um, yeah, not cool, not good. But that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest about it. So th- the partners I chose, I would chose people who chased me to a point where I became less and less interested again until I eventually broke up with them. And they were dismayed, they were confused, you know, why wouldn't you be? So, and I would get into another relationship very quickly because I loved being in love. I loved that beginning thing. And I would end up, again, I never cheated, but somehow someone else would be there, boom, boom, boom. And that was a pattern I repeated for many, many years until I did, I stopped dating for a few years in my late twenties. And I, um, I did some very intensive therapy to really look at all this. So I was trauma bonding and I was reacting from a childhood where love was a confusing thing. And my example is a little different than most. Most people who grow up with a narcissistic parent, they tend to then be with narcissists and they're just highly codependent and and get into that they they feel bonded to their abuser because they're trying to unconsciously i don't you know win them over like heal the relation the unhealthy relationship with their with their mom or their dad or whoever it was right with this person and again they're confusing what love is they think this is how you do it this is you know again we're sort of fish uh who don't know we're wet so i don't you know, when I look back and I've had to do, you know, the 12 steps has us do searching and fearless moral inventories where we really um, get into this stuff. And I, I have done that. Uh, and I have at different times thought of, you know, was I an abuser? I don't know. I, I, I guess we'd have to ask them. Uh, I certainly didn't do it with any malicious intent. I certainly didn't do uh, anything out of trying to harm others. Um, I did it out of my low, own low self-esteem and ter- being terrified of relationships. Uh, no wonder I became a relationship expert, right? You got to always wonder, by the way, about your psychologist and your therapist. Trust me, we're all fucked up somewhere. You just have to hope we had enough therapy to, <laughs> to know what we're talking about when we talk to you. So many rehabs, many therapists, many uh, ex- life experiences later, here I am talking about it. But I do try to be honest about it. It's not something I'm proud of by far. It's not the worst thing I've ever done. I got to tell you that. 
Um, but the unhealthy person who you might term abusive in those long ago relationships was me. I, I reacted to my upbringing by developing an avoidant attachment style severely, which I brought into my adult relationships until I got enough therapy to help me heal that. And now I'm in, you know, very long-term relationship, able eventually to get married, all the good things. But I've talked about it before. My avoidance stuff still shows up. That's my, um, that's my go-to still. It's just so friggin' hardwired. I've had EMDR and I've done biofeedback. I, I've done so much therapy and it is still, now I don't generally give into that. I, I generally move past it, but I'm not gonna lie and say, oh, I'm all better. Like I'm cured because I don't think I am. I think we're always trying to be better. We're always trying for, for growth, right? And, and I am. So, okay, so let's talk about who's at risk for trauma bonding. And then, you know, again, I'll get really specific. So some people or some situations or relationships make people more susceptible to trauma bonding and for sure being insecurely attached avoidant or anxiously attached like i just said for sure having low self-esteem being a perfectionist which is also related to that uh codependency and poor boundaries uh low emotional intelligence or, or you know very little self-awareness or mindfulness obviously a childhood that was marked with abuse or neglect being the child as i've said of parents or caregivers with mental illnesses all of these things make you more susceptible so let's talk about the seven stages and then let's get into the one thing <laughs> you should ask yourself to know if you are so the seven stages giving it to you if you're watching me on on youtube i'm putting up number seven in my hand the seven stages of trauma bonding okay let's let's get to it as i sip so there are generally, and I say seven stages because that's what's generally identified in the research and in anything you read about trauma bonding. But I will say this, you don't need to have gone through all seven stages to be in a relationship with trauma bonding. So I want to say that, okay? So. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Stage one is love bombing. When you meet someone and you know you feel that instant connection, the and and you know what's great? They feel it too. You know, the two of you, you're just right away, you're having deep, intense conversations. The sex is amazing. That that was me. That was oh, I did a lot of love bombing in my my early days. I would, you know, buy the special gifts. Uh, you know, this is that stage where one or both people are just completely focused on winning, you know, their effect, the affection, the attention or the love of another person. Okay. We're totally into it. There's often these kind of grand displays with extravagant dates or gifts. And I will say though, it's not always about spending money. Extravagant can also just be like going to crazy specific lengths for another person, even if you don't spend a lot of money. I have I had a client, this is a while ago, who loved giraffes. I always remember the story. And on her third date, who with and she's they were calling themselves boyfriend and girlfriend at that point. Uh 
her boyfriend on their third date had planned a whole day at the zoo and he did this whole thing where they could go and feed the giraffes so and he rented a car because they were in the city none of them had a car and he rented a car for the day and he had this giraffe card in the car with a little stuffed giraffe and like you know uh he, she said he he gave her a picture he'd framed of two giraffes like hugging you know their necks i mean <laughs> and they had this whole day and she was completely did I burp in there? Sorry. Didn't mean to burp at you. They had this whole day where she was completely, I mean, he was all over her, you know, like, come on, who doesn't feel special and loved with this? Now, a lot of us do a lot of things in the beginning of a relationship that we don't keep up, but this is sort of an overboard, almost an overwhelm of stuff. And again, like with this draft day, none of that really necessarily cost him a ton, but you know, the thinking and the every last detail and all that stuff is just huge. And what I find is that some people get trapped in this stage when they're dating. So uh, if you're dating a lot and you keep going on, you know, having people ghost you <laughs> or you ghost them because they get so insanely into you and you're like, what's wrong with them? If if you're dating, this keeps happening to you, you're likely getting stuck in this stage. You know, sometimes there's that thing where uh, I had a, another client recently. She said, oh, we were just starting to, I was just starting to think about our future together, right? We were so into each other. They were having all this intense time. They were like three weeks together and she's thinking of the future. He's saying all the right things to her and out of nowhere, he started to pull away. He stopped saying all the things. He wasn't responding to her texts as quickly. He, or, you know, she kept wanting to plan dates and he wasn't doing it. He wasn't trying to really spend more time with her. And then, of course, she was with me pouring over everything she'd ever said or texted to this man, wondering what went wrong when everything was going so right. This is trauma bonding. That's what that is. And what's really happening there is that the person starts to pull away because you're kind of too into it. There's a famous... I hope it's Groucho Marx. It couldn't be that famous if I can't even remember. It's a line that says... Um, Something like, I wouldn't want to join a club that would want me as a member. And that's what happens to people sometimes when you seem so into them, even though they were the one casting the, the fishing hook out there and you were just grabbing the bait, they get suspicious. Like, why are they so into me? You know, I'm just, I'm not even doing that much. Why are they so into me? And they don't take any of their own responsibility because they were so into it too. And then you're left going with your head spinning going what happened and again the rug gets pulled out of your uh, out from under your little unsuspecting feet and that that's what all that is so you know you you got to step back and and notice any love bombing that you're doing and really and i'm not talking about playing a game like the rules and you don't call back and you're all elusive but i am talking about if you meet someone and then you're calling them your boyfriend or girlfriend or partner or whatever in two days or two weeks, you know, slow your roll. And I've talked about slow your roll a lot. Just slow down, not necessarily even with time, just in what you're thinking. You're starting to get into probably scarcity thinking and you're worried and you're scared and, oh, I want them. And, you know, sometimes it's been a long time to, in between who we're interested in, right? Sometimes you can be dating for a year and you finally meet someone you sort of connect with and you're like, oh, here they are. But the problem is, you know, you can't, that's, that's a scarcity mindset that you're not going to meet anyone else. And so you're getting too into it. And again, they pull away. But... There's other times when you're getting love bombed and they don't pull away. And then we get into stage two where they start, stage two of trauma bonding is gaining trust. So again, some of that love bombing stage is focused on gaining trust, trust, but this is sort of stage two is a little different. It's when the other person, you know, they might listen to you talk about your best friend for hours and they offer advice on how to best deal with them. You know, but later in the relationship, they shut you down quickly. If you bring up this friend, you know what I'm talking about. But now they're not, right? Now they're not. Stage two, they're not. They'll likely go out of their way to do things for you or, or they won over your dad at the first meal you all shared together. And this is also the kind of person that would become very offended if you doubted their honesty or commitment in any way. Uh, but that's kind of what stage two looks like. And then it starts to turn. Stage three, we start to see the criticism. 
it starts to feel like things that are important to you don't matter to them as much anymore, or they have don't have the same patience for your stories that they used to have. That person who's been giving you gifts and listening to your complaints about your mom now starts criticizing you. Maybe they, oh, you know, maybe they point out that, you know, your mom loves you and you shouldn't say bad things about her. You've been criticizing her a lot lately. Um, or maybe, the, you know, your mom said something really mean to you and they're like, well, I actually agree with that. You need to look at that. You should change that. <laughs> so you might start to even think that the criticism is justified, right? You're in your head going, well, well, I really shouldn't complain about it. my mom. God, I feel like such a bad daughter. And yeah, that's what that looks like. Okay. And then we're easing into stage four, which is all about manipulation. And this is usually where the gaslighting comes in. I did a whole episode on gaslighting. I'm not going deep on it here, but maybe you push back at the criticism or some other unfair treatment, or maybe there's a double standard. That's really common. And, and you get told things like, oh, you're blowing this out of proportion, or I was just kidding. You're too sensitive. I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help. You know, you're exaggerating, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, any of that kind of stuff, that's here. And then it's easy to get to stage five, which is uh, resignation. Because at some point in the relationship, you give up fighting back. You give up. You, you've tried, you've been saying these things, but the gaslighting or the manipulation takes over and you can't seem to make a dent. And now you're really hooked in. And then your codependency takes over. I spoke again i have a previous episode on how your people pleasing might be a trauma response it is called fawning pete walker uh, i believe coined that term years ago with complex ptsd and fawning is like um people pleasing on steroids okay so you just you know but it's this response you have where you're trying to please again you're you're something from your childhood where you're trying to fix it and you're trying to do it with this person and this is why people don't leave they've had you know you can see how the stages sort of build onto one another and now you might have invested some time and you're like i don't want to give up on this and uh you know we've we've been together a year or five years or whatever and and i don't want to give up and yeah and it gets really messy. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but let me finish the stages. So stage six is when you start to have a lot of psychological distress because over time, this kind of psychological, if you want to call it abuse, whatever you want to call it, can often result in, you know, uh, severe anxiety or depression, substance abuse. I mentioned my client who started drinking a little more than she used to, uh, withdrawing from life, numbness, feeling lost. I've even had people feel suicidal. Okay. Yeah, I know. So it starts to take its toll. Sometimes that's getting sick a lot. Um, it can come in all kinds of different ways. We know that codependency, especially severe codependency, has a lot of negative side effects. And again, I talk all about that in other um, episodes. And so you can go listen to those. Uh, we'll link to them in the show notes. So stage seven, the repeating cycle. And sadly, this cycle often gets repeated over and over again. I told you about mine. I had it again, kind of an opposite way, but I kept being it. My client who we called, what did I call her? Michelle, um, right? Was with the same person over and over. Or was that a different client? I don't remember anymore, but I told you about a client recently. <laughs> I'm old, I don't remember what names I used. I told you about a client recently who um, got, you know, she was with somebody with an alcohol disorder and then an eating disorder and alcohol disorder again. We just repeat it. I was, you know, every 18 months, I was finding a new guy to follow or a new woman to fall in love with and there I was, you know? So what we get in this cycle over and over and often what happens is there's some particularly abusive incident, maybe, Maybe the person threw something at you. Maybe there was actual physical abuse and you left, you, you did, you went, you moved back in with your, you moved in with your best friend, you, you left for a few days. So then the love bomb happens again, promises that this will never happen again. This behavior will stop. I'll never repeat it. I'm really going to change this time. 
And maybe they even do change for a week or two as they're gaining your trust, right? In stage two now, they're gaining your trust and they go to couples therapy with you. But then the couples therapist was terrible. They go a couple times, it starts to turn towards them and their behavior. And they're like, I hated that person. They were favoring you. We can't afford it. Um, Excuse me. They have all kinds of excuses. I'm sipping some water. They start coming up with all kinds of reasons why they don't have to keep the change and keep doing the the changes they were making. And in the end, you're back where you started. If anything, I would say sometimes it's even worse because now that other person knows that you really won't leave for good and they can always win you back. So they feel even less need to try. They feel even less need to work at this with you. (sighs) I know. Those are crazy, right? Okay. So how do you know for sure if you're trauma bonded if or if you've done this in the past or if you've been doing it so first of all i'm hoping that identifying with or or i guess or not identifying with everything i just covered will answer this question for you i really hope you'll be like oh my god that is so me holy crap or no i really don't relate to any of that that is not my issue thank you and good night right great thing but There's a question that I ask my clients when I think there's been some trauma bonding that uh, usually tips me off that, that that this is a trauma bonding situation. So I want you, you're gonna take a minute right now to do this. (laughs) You could do it out loud or you could just do it in your head. So if you're not sure, ask yourself this one question. Why am I, attracted to this person or why am I attracted to this relationship I'm in? What is it about this person that I has me so taken, so in it? I want you to think about it right now. I want you to take a moment without thinking too hard and I want you to, if you can write them down, if you're not driving, right? It, think about your answers right now. And here's what happens. When I, when I ask that question to clients and they are in some kind of trauma bonding situation, I find that they answer with things like, uh, there's just something about them. We've always had this uh, strong connection. Right from the start, we had this amazing connection. I love their confidence. Uh, I just feel good around them. When it's good, we can talk about anything for hours. It's just special. It's just special. Or sometimes it's a scarcity statement, like, I know I'll never find someone like this again, or I've never felt this way around anyone else. And again, when I ask what that is, they can't really name it. It's just this thing. It's just something special. It's undefinable. It's, uh, I can't really say exactly, it just is. Oh, it terrifies me. You're terrifying me when you give me any of these answers. These answers are not good answers. And if you're having them right now, I love you. Take a breath, keep listening, because none of them are examples of what it takes to make a healthy relationship. Not one of them. When, if I had asked you right now, it, I, or, but when you were single, I'd said, hey, write down the top 10 characteristics of, the, of your dream partner. You would not have written, it'll just be special. You would not have written that. You would have said, they're the most, uh, oh, they're the most, they're so, they have so much empathy for everyone. They always have my back in every situation. Our communication is always strong, even when we disagree. Uh, they're kind, they're thoughtful, they're compassionate, they're honest, they're uh, consistent, trustworthy, reliable. Are you seeing where I'm going here? I always know they're thinking of what I need as they're managing their own needs and wants. We always work as a team. I feel like we're on a team. They ask me a doubt about my day and they care about my answers. They ask me great questions to help me think about my issues or problems or my day. They're always trying to make my life better. They prioritize me and our relationship. Do you see all this? Do you see how different that is from that bullshit? They're just, it just is, it's just special. I can't define it, I can't say. That should tip you off 
right there that there is something very wrong. I'm not saying you have to break up with this person. I am not saying you need to leave them. I am saying you need to address it. So the next question always I get from people is, should I fight for this relationship? Should you fight for this relationship? If you're asking this question, it's, <laughs> I'd like you to listen, read, or watch, because I have three ways you could do it. I have something called, is this relationship worth saving? I did an episode about it. I have a, uh, the, of course, the relationship tips and tools. You can go look it up. Just search on that on my website. You can, uh, on YouTube, I have two different, I have the podcast episode, you know, videotaped on YouTube. It's on YouTube as a, as a video. And I did a shorter one, like 15 minute one years ago. So guess what? There's a million ways. So you really want to look at that. Is your relationship worth saving? I want you, you know, worth fighting for, worth saving. I'd like you to think about. But I also just want to say, I don't know. I hate even, I don't like fighting for something. I don't know that I think love relationships, there's a lot of fighting, you know, like that, that energy of like, I got to overcome. I have to, I got to get this. I, I want there to be intention, attention, thoughtfulness, um, mindfulness. I, I think of it differently. To me, that is coming at your relationship. So I want you to, to do the, is your relationship worth saving? I, go check that out. But I also, there's four quick things I can say besides that. One is acknowledging and identifying that you've trauma bonded. That's your first step, really. It's from there, it's important, I think, to get in touch with a therapist or a program to really work on these earlier childhood issues and all the subsequent patterns. That's what I'd like you to do because this is a pretty big deal and you should get professional help for it. I, I am a professional and I am trying to help you, but you need more than just this uh, podcast episode. I wanna say that. So really think about it, uh, getting, getting help, okay? Getting some help. The second thing I would say is to focus on yourself, not the other person right now. What, what, what do I always tell you? The one in the most pain needs to change first. And that is you, my lovely. You are the one. Do not focus. They're not going to change. It's not about them. You could buy my book, Be Happily Married, even if your partner won't do a thing. You could get it for free on Audible. If you have Audible, just get it. If you, It's my melodious voice. If you don't, you can sign up for the free three months and get the book and then cancel it after that. Um, you, there you go. Get the book for free. I'm down with you. But, you know, work on you. Work on you. The third thing, which is also related to this, is, and, and again, don't focus on them. That's really my second thing. Do not focus on them. Focus on yourself. Number three would be work on building your confidence and your self-esteem. Because once you're clear that you have value, it's easier to see if others are valuing you in the way that you want. I did whole episodes on this. Uh, again, we'll link to them. But you got to work on raising your self-esteem. You have to work on really building your confidence so that you can be different in your relationships. And related to that is number four, is you have to work on building your self-compassion. Self-compassion has got to happen. This is hard stuff. And I know you're being hard on yourself and that isn't going to help you. And I love you. And I hate when you're so mean to yourself. You never treat other people this way. But you will just like, what's wrong with me? I'm so stupid. Why do I keep doing this? Not helpful. If it was helpful, I'd tell you to do it. I'd be like, go at it. Go call yourself a piece of shit and just have at it. But guess what? Does not help. There's not one bit of research showing that it helps. And you already know it doesn't help because you feel like crap. And when you feel like crap, you're not motivated to do anything. <laughs> so building your self-compassion. And I would really highly recommend, uh, I have a little video or audio thing on YouTube called uh, a loving, it's a loving kindness meditation. I would strongly recommend Jewish mother bossy advice <laughs> to listen to that at least three times a week. It helps you have compassion for others, including this person who's not treating you well or in the way you want. It has it helps you have compassion for yourself. It is so effective. It's uh, there's great research behind uh, the self compassion, uh, you know, meditating self compassion uh, in this way, loving kindness. So. 
do it. Do that. If you do nothing else, try that as a start. Okay, that is it. Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. This is a really heavy topic. I'm going to ask you not to jump into the next thing you're doing if any of this resonated. Try to give yourself a minute to sit, maybe even listen again, maybe go on the website and read the the corresponding blog and just try taking the information that way, take some notes. Really slow down, drink a lot of water, you know, be kind. Don't jump into running around with your kids or your friends or your partner or somebody else when this is going on. Try to give yourself a little room to let the information digest. Do your best not to think too hard about it and to allow your sort of inner being to bring you some answers, to bring you some revelations. Uh, some comfort. You know, I want to give you comfort. I love you. I'm, I'm, I hate that I even have to do these kind of podcast episodes. I wish I didn't. Uh, I wish you weren't struggling with this. I wish I had never struggled with this. It's, um, just a lot. It's a lot being human sometimes and trying to be really healthy. So please know that I see you. I love you. I'm sorry. You know, I'm here. I'm doing my best to give you what you need. If there's more that you would like about this topic, I would love to hear that. You can DM me on social media like Instagram or something, or you can um, email me at abby at abbymetcalf.com or go to the Let's Connect page on the website and email me from there. And you can ask for, you know, some other information maybe I didn't cover that you think would be helpful. As always, please don't ask me for advice in your particular situation. I can't do it. It's highly unethical. Um, and I'm just going to tell you to go get a therapist, which is what you do need to do. If you, if you can't afford one, you know, do your best to look for free resources, get on a waiting list, you know, eventually your name will pop up. Um, and keep working on yourself. Just please don't give up. Please don't give up. I, I, that's the one thing I've had in my life is I haven't given up and I still don't. I'm still working on myself. All right. (sighs) Sending big love today. Remember to rest a little. Remember to be kind to yourself as you work through all this. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.